Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is New and Improved. I had kind of a strange week. There are two men other than my own father that really, really, really impacted my life. One of them's name was Claude Townsend, who discipled me for years and planted that in my heart and the need to see that happen in my own life and the lives of other people. And the other was a man by the name of Sumner Wimp, who, it is Sumner, you have never heard me preach, almost never heard me pray where the gospel was not in the message. And that is all due to Sumner Wimp. At his funeral, one of my, a pastor that I used to work for, did the service, who was both of our pastor at the time. And he said, and he said, I know what I'm about to say, and I realize what I'm saying. I'm not just saying this to say this. He said, it is possible that in all of Christendom, no man has ever led more people to Christ personally than Sumner Wimp. This man never passed up anyone. You couldn't get anywhere with him. If you were with him, and something was breathing or could be breathing, he was going to speak to that person. He would try to raise the dead almost, but he never got over what Jesus did for him. I went to his service, but I never went and looked in the box because my friend was not there. He was 90 years old when he died, and in the last month in a facility, he led four people to Christ that just happened to come in the room used to throw tracks out windows. He taught his kids how to roll them up. They'd put them in cellophane and drive them nuts, I guess. But, you know, he showed them that if you were driving down the road, you saw a hitchhiker or something, you could hold your hand down and let go of them and the wind would catch it. But if you were driving there on the other side, you had to hold your hand up and the wind would catch it and blow it over the car. I mean, this guy, and you say, well, that's, that's crazy stuff. Years later, he passed a guy, Some guy on the side of the road did that. The guy was a little upset, read it, became a Christian, and four or five years later somehow met Sumner and said, that's how I became a Christian. Right now, he's got a new and improved body. A few days later, I get a call, a friend of mine, family in the church, known brothers and sisters for years in that family, and mama went to sleep one night, 77, I guess it was, years of age. She didn't wake up the next day. I did see her in the box, and she looked good. Do you know what? She wasn't in that box. And because we know that she knew him, we know where she is. And no matter how good they can make you look in the box, it's nothing close to what you're going to look like when you get home. Because it's really new and improved there. But there are some new and improved things down here. And I'm going to go left to right like I try to do. And I'm going to, gosh, I got more verses than I got time. So I'm either going to have to read really fast or cut some of this out. But let's start in Psalm 33. Psalm 33, 1, here's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of 10 strings. And then this phrase, which I'll read you a bunch of these. He says this, sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. Express whatever it is that's going on inside of you. 
find a way to express it. And so for some of you here and beyond, you become a Christian and all of a sudden you hear literally new music and you go, wow, what is that? And then all of a sudden God begins to worship, give you a way to worship him through a new song that you didn't have before. Okay, go to Psalm 40, a few pages over. And this is, you gotta memorize Psalm 40, verse one at least. This is amazing stuff. It's in here. If you just read it, it's in here. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. You ever been or are you in a horrible pit? And this is what the book says. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God, many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Now you wanna know who hates new songs? Dead religious people. Go to Psalm 96. And I'm not even reading you all of these, I'm giving you a sample. But this is a recurring theme in the Psalms. Psalm 96, one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is feared above all gods. For the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory do his name bring an offering and come into his courts oh worship the lord in the beauty of holiness tremble before him all the earth say among the nations the lord reigns the world also is firmly established it shall not be moved he shall judge the peoples righteously let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad let the sea roar in all its fullness let the field be joyful and all that is in it then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the lord for he is coming for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. There's something about that. Okay, go to Psalm 98. Psalm 98, verse one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth break forth in a song. Rejoice and sing praises. And he keeps going, go to Psalm 144. Psalm 144, verse nine. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of 10 strings, I will sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in palace style. That our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets. Happier the people who are in such a state, happier the people whose God is the Lord. You have to read this stuff. Now you say, well, I have no desire to read this stuff. That's a problem. I can get in a bad place. I've shared this before. I can be in a really bad place and I'll get in the car or somewhere and the new songs come on and I turn them off. And I get angry or whatever, and I want to go back and listen to some old music. 
And then if I, my attitude's not right or whatever, and somebody starts singing worship music or playing worship music, I don't want to hear that music. Why? Because it, it messes me up. Because it causes me to think about where I'm not and what's not working, what's not going. I don't want to worship God. My father will tell stories of his dad, who was a pastor, was a gracious, amazing woman. I don't think about this a lot, but in some ways, I can't wait to see my grandfather. He smiled so hard, so strong that his eyes almost closed. And it was like beams of light coming out of that old man's head. And my dad's big and boom, you know how he, you know, he's just him. And he'd get all wrapped around the axle about something. And my grandfather would say to him, well, Neil, not Neil, that was my uncle. He'd say, Perry, just come in here in my office and let's just get, and he'd get him down. He'd say, let's just get down here and pray about it and pull my dad down. My dad didn't want to pray. But sometimes you have to have somebody, some way, somehow to say, look, we got to refocus or you're already in trouble. If you let this go too far, you're gone. You get back in the scriptures, you refocus, you confess whatever sin you got and get back on track. Go to Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42, verse one. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastland shall wait for his law. Thus says the God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and will hold Hold your hand, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth, you who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants of them. Look up there at verse 9 again. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Whatever has happened to you so far came to pass, it's gone. And new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. You cannot spend your life focusing on the past. You can deal with it. You can confess it in your marriage. Let's say something happened in the past and you say, I can't get over it. It's going to affect your present and your future. You've got to get something new going if you're going to go forward. You've got to figure it out. Go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, 31. Listen to this. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. A new covenant, he says, is coming. It's not gonna be just written down out somewhere. I'm gonna engrave it on your heart. The thing goes from outside to inside. The unbelievable blessing about being born after the cross is that you don't have all the ritual stuff and basically that God was an external experience more than an internal. We are the temple. We are the place that God dwells now. He moves into you when you become a Christian. That's unbelievable. And there were Old Testament prophets, people in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God would come down on them. It describes that. So he'd be on them. And then all of a sudden, boom, he could leave. I am stuck with God, whether I like it or not. I am haunted by a Holy Spirit that promised to never leave me or forsake me. And he's got to go where I go and see what I see and do whatever's going on. And I have to deal with the fact that God lives in me. And what am I going to do with that? And he woos me back when I get away. So you say, well, I don't feel like God loves me. Let me tell you something. Whether you feel like it or not, God loves you. Period. You say, well, how do you know that for sure? How are you going to explain the God of the universe? The story is that he sends his only son to die on some cross to pay for my butt, your butt, all our, you know, and the rest of us. And you think, well, I don't think he loves me. He let his son die for us. What's he got to do? What has he got to do to prove that he loves us? Just let that be. So you say, well, I'm in a bad place. Okay, he loves you. Well, I don't feel like I love him. Well, you can choose to, and you can hang in there because it's gonna come around. You're either gonna drop dead or he's gonna turn it around and teach you something through the process. And there, whatever it is you're going through, he would not allow it unless there was a reason. He's trying to do something new in your life. And the problem is the devil goes, you don't wanna learn all that new stuff. You know, dude, come back here and let's do what we, the old stuff, what we used to do. Let's go smoke a little weed, do some lines, drink something, party, do whatever we were doing. Man, this is easy. We know, we got this. We go, yeah, that'd be easier. Let's go back. And then we get back and go, what am I doing back here? This never worked. We got baited back into some old life. And God says, are you tired of that yet? Yeah, I'm coming again. What was it you were trying to tell me? All right. Ezekiel chapter 11, and this is Old Testament. This is people being told this, reading this, hearing this, and going, wow, when will this happen? And it's us. Ezekiel 11, let's jump in at verse 17. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel, and they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them, that they shall be my my people and I will be their God. For as for those whose hearts follow the desire of their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. But your heart can be softened, can be changed. He can literally put, instead of a stony hard heart, a heart that is tender toward God even. Gosh, there's too many verses. Read one more out of Ezekiel 36. Go over a few pages, Ezekiel 36. 
Verse 23, and I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God. When I am hallowed in you before their eyes, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. New Testament, the new covenant talks about that in Matthew 26. Go to John 13. One of my favorite couple of verses in the whole book, John chapter 13, verse 34, the 11th commandment. You got 10 in the old Testament, at least the big ones. And then Jesus says this in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you. You ought to pay attention when Jesus says a new commandment. And what is the new commandment? That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You want to prove to the world that you love him, or that you are his disciple, that you are really a follower of Christ, then love each other. They don't even get a shot at believing God. They look at us and go, you people can't even get along. But when they see people who have nothing in common but Jesus, love each other, put up with each other, work things out, cross lines, worship, be a family, they go, wait a minute, this is not possible. If this is what they're doing, they can't do this without God. They must be real followers of God. I want in on that. Second Corinthians chapter five, we're almost out of verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now there is a big if in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You say, well, I am in Christ. I am a Christian. He's in me. I'm in him. It's a deal. Why is my life still what it used to be? Why have I gone back? Because you believe that's what all there is. The book says if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. So the devil comes along and says, dude, you nothing. You haven't changed. You're still looking at women. You're still doing all these things you used to do. You haven't changed at all. You're the same old person. So what are you talking about this Christian thing? So you go with what he tells you and you just go back to your old ways. Instead of saying, okay, well, if the Bible says I'm a new creation, I'm going to find somebody who can explain that to me. Why do you think we're so hopped up on discipleship? Because it takes time to discover the person that you are. It's the old orphan story. You take an orphan who only knows he's an orphan, he gets adopted into a family, and he has to learn what it is to be someone's son. And the rights that come with that, the privileges that come with that, the relationship that there is in a family. You don't just go from being an orphan to being a son overnight. You can say it. But you have to learn that. It is a process. And so we try to get involved in people's lives and walk you through the process. And then you start going, wow, this stuff is true. I do feel different. I am a new creation. I don't have to be the old person that I was. And you start seeing that work. I sat with a guy just the other day. I haven't seen him in a long time. And I haven't visited with him. He comes here. He became a Christian with me a few years ago. And he was in a rough spot. I haven't really talked to him, spent any time. We had lunch. We sat down. And the first thing I said to him was, something is different about you. I'm talking about looking in his eyes, his physical countenance. He had grown up. It was working. You say, well, I don't see anything new. You let God worry about that. Get in the process. Read the scriptures. 
Renew your mind. All you have in your brain is what you put in there all these years. Replace that. Flush that stuff out by putting something in there. You say, well, I've stopped doing that, so everything should change. You can't just stop one thing and not start something else. Or you'll go backwards. So get people who can help you. Read the scriptures. Talk to people. Say, look, I'm still struggling with this. This guy, before he opened his mouth, was a new creation. That obvious. That's extremely encouraging to me because I go, this, it works. I see it in front of me. All right. Let's go to the book of Revelation and I'll quit. Revelation chapter five. And this is fascinating stuff to me. The whole thing's fascinating, but Revelation 5, 9. Now, remember I read you all those verses in the Psalms. Even in the Old Testament, they get a new song. But look at this in heaven itself. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. There's a new song. See, the nice thing about reading these verses and memorizing scripture is when you get there, it won't take you as long to know the music. You say, oh, I already read that song. I didn't know what the tune was. Do you have any idea how crazy the music's gonna be in heaven? I think it's pretty decent here, but that's gonna be amazing. Revelation 21, and I'm done. Revelation 21 and verse one, and we'll read a few of these. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And here's a, one of the best in the book, verse four. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Praise God. All things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. One day, everything's going to be new and improved. And the longer you live, the more you will long to live there. Because this world just can't cut it. And there is more. The longer you live, the more tears, the more pain, the more sorrow, the more you will long. Mirrors get meaner every day. <laughs> so why did I read you all this? Don't get stuck on this here, now. Keep your mind on things above, beyond here, the promises of God. You're not gonna be here that long. You're gonna be somewhere forever, hopefully with him. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, 
the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, our radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. I asked the question at the funeral that I did this week. The woman that died here, she went to sleep here, and she woke up in heaven. And here's the question I asked that group. If you went to sleep tonight here, wherever you go to sleep tonight, and you died in your sleep, where would you wake up? If the answer to that question is, I don't know, you got a problem. Because that woman didn't go to sleep thinking she wasn't going to wake up. And you say, well, you're trying to scare us. You know what? Reality should scare you. You don't need my help. So do you go around worrying about this all the time? I don't go around worrying about it because I got an answer. That's not being cocky. I didn't fix it myself. Somebody told me, hey, dude, this is how you fix it. You're lost. Somebody came to save you. You got sin problems. You got shame, guilt. You can't fix it. Jesus came, dies on a cross, buried, raised from the dead. He can fix it. Are you in? I went, absolutely, I'm in. Six-year-old little boy. He said, what did you know about it? Even a six-year-old kid can know he's lost. Because I knew I was lost. I was in trouble. I needed God. Simple, period. But when I go to sleep at night, I die, I'm going to wake up with Jesus. You say, how do you know that? I just know that. How can you prove that? Well, you'll be at my funeral and I'll be with Jesus. That's about the only way I can prove it. (laughs) That's a pretty cool way to live. You say, well, I'm a screw-up still. What about that? You know what? You can go to sleep a saved screw-up and still wake up with Jesus because that's just the deal. That's just the deal. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.